Welcome to First SF. We are in the second week of our series on spiritual disciplines that we're um, calling um, closer, drawing near to God through the spiritual disciplines. About 20, now 21 years ago, Stephanie and I had just reconciled after a, a tumultuous time in our marriage. We were a wreck. I was uh, a wreck personally. I was struggling through a lot of issues related to my identity. And one of the things that I was told over and over again as I read and, and, and sought healing and change was that I needed to find a place to connect with other godly men, that I needed to make some good relationships with other men. And uh, there was a Bible study in our city that was a community-wide interdenominational men's Bible study called Community Bible Study. And I had a mentor at the time. He was the leader, the main teacher of this Bible study. And I thought, well, that's a good place for me to go to meet other men who are following the Lord, which is what I knew I needed in my life. So I went to Community Bible Study. And I was about 20 years younger than most people who were there. But the scary thing is I was about the age I am now. And I thought they were so old. And I'm sorry for those of you who show up at something and I'm there and you're like, there's only old people here. Because that's how I felt at the time. They all seemed to know each other. I had a very hard time connecting. People weren't friendly, overly friendly. People didn't talk to me. And I got really frustrated. And several weeks into that Bible study, I was laying in bed at one night and I was so frustrated. I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing and it wasn't working. And I, I told myself, and maybe I actually told God, said, I'm going to quit that stupid Bible study. And there have been a few times like this in my life, but it was as if God spoke to me. And it wasn't audible, but it was very clear from, from the Lord into my soul. And God said, go to the Bible study to meet me. And I did. And I went back to that Bible study. I wasn't there to make friends. I wasn't there to try to build and find some sort of inner healing. I went to that Bible study simply to meet God. And everything changed in that season for me. I had this mentor who was helping me open my eyes to the living, active, intimate nature of God's word. I was going to this Bible study and I realized as I got into the word to connect with God, he met me there. And that season transformed the way that I saw scripture. It birthed in me during that time, both a love for and a desire to take in scripture. Last week, Ryan noted that when we talk about spiritual disciplines, we're talking about practices that require action and scripture intake is really both of those things. It is a practice that becomes an action item of your day, but it is much more than a Christian duty. It feeds you, it teaches you, it corrects you, it connects you with the heart of God. Today, we're going to look at the spiritual discipline of Scripture intake and how that grows us closer to God. Let's pray. God, it is my fervent prayer that you would inspire your people not in a sense of obligation, but in a true sense of desire that you would inspire them to get into your word, to grow closer to you, to grow more intimate with you. God, I recognize so strongly this morning the limitations in my abilities to communicate, the limitations in my abilities to prepare, and I pray that you 
in spite of all of those things, God, that your spirit would infiltrate the hearts of your people. God, as it says in Psalms 119, verse 18, I pray this morning that you would show us wonderful things from your word. We love you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm calling this scripture intake because it's about more than just reading. It's about more than just hearing the word. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But I truly believe that scripture intake is the most important of all of the spiritual disciplines. Ryan said last week that actual spiritual disciplines are things that are biblical. And only God's word provides the filter and the boundaries and the focus for all of the other spiritual disciplines. And for us just in life, only God's word can provide us an appropriate filter for us to know what is truly in line with the heart of God. First Baptist Church has a set of core beliefs and a set of core values. The first core belief of First SF is this. We believe the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament to be the inspired, infallible and authoritative word of God. Our first core value is this. We trust God's word as the foundation and filter for everything we do at First SF. And there's a reason that these are the first, that our first core belief and our first core value are about Scripture. And that is because Scripture is foundational to everything else that we do as a church and as Christ followers. We look to Scripture and say, is something mandated in Scripture? We look to Scripture and see, is something prohibited in Scripture? And then we, we say, well, does, the, does Scripture speak to all that is in between what is mandated and what is prohibited? And we believe, yes, it does. We believe it is thoroughly modern. It is thoroughly applicable to the world of today. Scripture is a treasure. It's a gift. And we are blessed here in America to have full and easy access to it. And let me, this is a good time for me to say, if you don't have a Bible, take the one with you from the pew in front of you. It is our gift to you. So we want to start today by reading a little bit of Scripture. If you would stand with me. And it's going to be on the screen, and I would like for us to read it out loud together. We are going to be in 2 Timothy. Ryan mentioned last week that God was very nice to put all of the tea books of the New Testament together. Um, He didn't mention another blessing. They're alphabetical. So Timothy, right after the Thessalonians and right before Titus. 2 Timothy, we're going to be in chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It will also be on your screen. Read this aloud with me. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Have a seat. This passage in 2 Timothy, I believe, gives us this amazing picture of why Scripture intake is important, but also why it is amazing. I believe in this passage, we see three things. We see that God wrote it for us. We see that it is beneficial and useful for us. And we see that it is transformative in us. Number one, why do we care about getting into the word of God? Because God wrote it for us. So throughout scripture, 
In hundreds of verses, Scripture declares, sometimes explicitly, sometimes implicitly, Scripture itself declares that the Bible is the very Word of God. And if that is not true, then we are in trouble. Because then our understanding of God is dependent on us, on our human ideological bents, on our human values, on our human logic. But he... And honestly, if, if, we don't ha- if we don't believe in Scripture, we are wasting our time in all of this. Because he gave us his words so that we would have everything we need to know about who God is. We would have everything we need to know about what it means to follow God. Part of the essence of faith is trusting that God's word is what it says it is. That it is God-breathed. That means it is the exhalation of God himself, breathing himself out to us. It is the true word of God. And when we say that it is the true word of God, we're not saying that God physically took a pen and wrote on some paper and voila, we got the Bible. We are saying that God inspired men to write it. But even that, that word inspired, doesn't really convey the magnitude of what we have in the Bible. Because it's not inspiration, sort of like our Easter art project, where I am inspired by the the Easter message to create a piece of art. This word inspired really means that the words that were physically written by men were the very words of God, given to these human writers and compiled together to create this book. Paul said in 1 Corinthians uh, 2, verse 13 and 14, verse 37, he said that the teachings of the apostles were not words taught by human wisdom, but were words taught by the Spirit and commanded by, God, by the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, Paul is communicating with the Thessalonians and he's expressing gratitude. And he says this, when you, and again, he's speaking to the Thessalonians, when you received the word of, the, of God, which you heard from us, You received the word of God, which you heard from man. You accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. And Peter, in 2 Peter 1, 16 through 21, said this, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Think about what this means for us. The God of the universe, the creator of all things, the God who created you but also the God who sent his son to die for you so that you could be connected with him in relationship. God breathed out these words for you. I've said this before, but I can believe who someone is. I can believe that 
that some person is who he or she says that they are. I can read about other people, write about them. I can listen to them talk. I can think that I know them. But until I spend time with them, until I spend lots of time, until I really talk with them and listen to them and seek to understand them, I do not know them. And we have the word. God talking to us about himself, but also talking to us about who we are as his creation and as his children, talking to us about all that he's called us to do and also all that he has promised us. Why should we care about taking in scripture? Because God wrote it for us. The second thing we see from Paul in his letter to Timothy is that it is beneficial and useful for us. When Paul tells Timothy that all of Scripture is breathed out by God and that it is profitable for us, what he is saying is that it is beneficial. That word profitable means beneficial and useful for us. These aren't just words. It's not just learning about God. As Paul said in in 1 Thessalonians passage we just read, God's work is... God's word is at work in those who follow Christ, and it is useful and beneficial for for so many reasons. Paul tells Timothy in this passage, he says, it teaches us. That means God's word is educational. It says it reproves us. That word reproof means to express disapproval. God's word tells us when we're doing something wrong, when we're doing something dangerous, or when we're doing something that's out of character with who we say we are as Christ followers. And then he says, it corrects us. That means after it has reproved us, it corrects us. It gives us guidance on how to get back on track when we have allowed ourselves to get off course. It's useful and beneficial for us because it trains us, he goes on to say, in righteousness. It helps us know best how to move forward in righteousness. What that means is essentially how to love and live for Jesus as we are set apart for his glory. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13 paints another picture of the useful, beneficial nature of God's word. It's a very intense picture. It says this. For the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We as humans, we need this sort of penetration into our souls that no human can give and that we certainly cannot give ourselves. Jeremiah seventeen nine says that our hearts are deceitful above all, which is why contrary to what the world is constantly telling us, Following your heart is a terrible idea. God's word is useful and beneficial because when our hearts have a tendency to lead us astray, God's word pierces deeply with its truth and it exposes wrong, deceitful intentions. I think this is why when we find ourselves moving in a direction away from God, we will avoid God's word. Maybe I'm the only one. But when I know that something's pulling me away from God. I don't want to get into God's word because I know, I know that while I and my flesh want to follow my heart, I know that God's word is going to expose me. But if we care about our heart lining up with the heart of God, we will want God's word to penetrate our hearts. But piercing and penetrating, those are kind of harsh, kind of almost violent words. And God's word is not just piercing and penetrating. 
Psalm 19, 7, 11, 7 through 11 is a beautiful passage. It gives us another picture of the useful, beneficial nature of God's word in our lives. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. How many of you in this room just know that you just need to be revived? And we seek revival in so many places. The law of the Lord, God's word is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. In keeping them, there is great reward. God's word is good for you. It pierces, it exposes, it does so many things. It revives, it brings joy. It's beneficial and useful for you. And the final thing from this passage, the final why of scriptural intake is this. Number three, it is transformative for us. Paul actually says that God's word completes us. And it equips us for every good work. I love this idea. I find great hope in the idea that I don't have to be everything God's going to make me to be at this moment. That I am on a journey. We as Christ followers are on a journey. We're on a constant path of being changed. And we are on a constant path of being changed for a purpose. Paul said in Ephesians 2.10 that we are God's workmanship. We are God's artistic expression, and which is uh, an amazing thought in and of itself. But we are not his workmanship to be placed on a pedestal and set in the gallery to be admired by the masses. We are his workmanship created by Christ Jesus for good works that we are to walk in. Philippians 1, 6, Paul reminds us that at the moment of our salvation, God begins something for us and he begins something in us and that God will complete it in us. He is in a process of bringing that to completion. What I have started, I will finish, he says, in Jesus Christ. God's word is a part of that process for us. God's word acts to shine light on and to give meaning to every aspect of our lives, the good and the bad and the confusing and the sweet and the beautiful and the difficult. And it leads us. God's word moves us toward completion and usefulness in God's kingdom. God wrote this for us. It is useful and beneficial for us, and it is transformative for us. My greatest desire, my prayer this whole week is that something would inspire you into God's word. And and I believe that why God's word is so valuable to us is is the thing that gets us in more than a duty, more than something to check off a list, more than something to make us feel guilty. But I also want to transition. This is sort of like sermon number two. I want to give you a little practical help in what it looks like, how we take scripture in, the what of scripture intake, the how of scripture intake, what, how we can do it to most effectively get into the word. Cause I know for a lot of people, it's intimidating but I believe that for so, so many of us, if we just would get in, God will use it in the way that you're wired to hear from him. I could take a couple of hours to share on all of this stuff, but I'm going to put three things before you that I think are most important. This is not an exhaustive list of Bible intake, of scripture intake, but I want to go through these three things. How, what and how do we study 
what and how do we take Scripture in in a life-transforming way? The first thing I want to talk about is the study of Scripture. Now, when I say study, I mean more than just reading it. So reading God's Word is good and necessary and important, but I want to talk about study. When I say reading, imagine this, like you decide, okay, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to start at the beginning. I'm going to go to Genesis. You sit down, you go to Genesis one, you look at verse one and you just sit down and you just read straight through to the end of Genesis one, verse 31, and you shut your Bible. Okay. We have to assume that in doing that, something from that reading would penetrate your heart. And that is good. Things might jump out at you as you just read through it. But it will be largely surface. If you just read it and shut it, it'll be largely surface. It's kind of like I remember in college. I remember not being prepared for a test, cramming. I had you know, several chapters of a book to read for a test. I would fly through a chapter, and then I'd, I'd realize at the end, I really don't remember anything that I just read. That's similar to what it means. It's better than not reading at all, but I probably didn't learn very much. Just reading scripture gives you a scriptural breadth, but the study of scripture gives you a scriptural depth. Second Timothy three tells us that the Bible is useful and beneficial for teaching. So there is value in learning scripture and to learn scripture. You have to study it. There are so many methods. The two things I think are most important before you're going to study the Bible, you need to make a plan. So when I went to law school, I got into a really, really prestigious law school, but I didn't go to that when I got, I went to a less prestigious, still good law school. And I really felt like I was God's gift to that law school. (laughs) They they were very lucky to have me and that I chose them. And then I almost failed out my first semester when I got a D in civil procedure. I was on scholastic probation. I was in the bottom of my class and I had to change the way. I prepared and took on law school. And from, from that point on, at the beginning of every semester, I would map out. I'd take my syllabi and I'd, I'd look at what my reading was going to be for all my classes. I mapped out a plan because I knew that if I didn't, a million things would interfere. And I'd find myself again um, unprepared for finals at the end of law school. When we do this, if we're going to study scripture, it takes planning and it takes organization. It takes work and it takes time and it takes determination You can get a Bible reading plan. That's not really what I'm talking about here. Um, I think Bible reading plans are great. I encourage you to use a Bible reading plan, but don't become a slave to your Bible reading plan because God may take you on a slower journey than your plan wants to take you. I'm more talking about setting aside time each day and treating that time as fixed. If you don't treat that time as fixed, a million things will steal that time. And if you think like that feels very rigid, I promise you, if you will think about the why first, if you will think about all that awaits you in God's word, you will delight in holding that time aside to study God's word. I always think of Stephanie when I think about this. Stephanie is, I always thought this was kind of weird until I realized how cool it is. She she goes to bed at night excited at the prospect of getting up. Because she gets up early, she sits in her green chair, and she curls up with God's word. When you get the why, it moves from being a duty to being a delight. But sometimes you have to start with a plan. The other thing is, you have to use a pen. Bible study requires pens. It might require many pens. For me, it requires many colored pens. 
you got to get in there and mark up the text. If you disagree with me, I'm sorry that you're wrong. (laughs) But you need to get in there and you need to underline interesting texts or texts you don't understand. It slows you down. If you see a word or a phrase repeated in God's word, circle it every time you see it. And then go in there and go, "Uh uh-huh, I wonder what's going on with the repetition of this word or this theme. If your Bible has cross-references, which means there's a little bitty letter and it points you to another scripture that ties or connects with that scripture. Draw some lines and some arrows and some circles. Go to those other scriptures and then write down in the margin where that is and what was happening the other time that particular thing was talked about. If a particular word is interesting to you, just one word, you can go to the concordance and you can look up every other time in Scripture that that word is used or that idea is used. And it takes time. But if your goal is to hurry through Scripture, you might be frustrated. But your goal in studying Scripture shouldn't be to hurry. It should be to learn something. So study Scripture. The second what and how of Scripture intake is memorization of Scripture. In Ephesians 6, 17, the Word of God is described as the sword of the Spirit. If you're a Christ follower, the Spirit lives inside of you. And that means that the Word is a weapon inside of you. And that means it doesn't fight against other people. It fights for you. Jesus knew the word of God and he used it to fight the temptations that were put before him by Satan in the wilderness. Many times in the Psalms, David and the other psalmists will be brought out of fear and brought out of depression. And they always, it's it's phrased as this, by the truth of God's word that they have stored up in their hearts. Scripture memorization is so powerful. God uses it to fight fears in our lives, to fight anxiety Many times in my life, I have recited verses of hope or verses of promise that I have previously memorized, recited those things at night like I am counting sheep to go to sleep. My counselor years ago told me I had a very active what-ifer. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? When my what-ifer is going off, many times the only way I can calm myself down is by repeating the truth of God's word that is in my head over and over again. Many times in my journals, I'll go off on this long string of silly talk that's primarily just junk and not true. But if I look back, sometimes I don't even realize it that I will end my journal entry with, but I know. And I will put down in my journal a truth of God's word that I have previously committed to memory. It's fighting for us. Memorization can be hard and it can be scary. Many people are intimidated by it. It feels like school sometimes, but it is so powerful. It is so powerful for you, but it can also be really powerful for others. Because not only does God's word in you fight for you, but it often provides us with wisdom and insight as we minister to other people. Our staff over the last, I think we're in our fourth year of doing this, have memorized a chapter of God's word every year. And when we are in the middle of that time of memorization and then even after, it is crazy how often verses from those chapters pop into my head when I am listening to someone share a concern or a problem or when I'm helping somebody work through some sort of difficult situation. His word in you will become his wisdom for you or for others through you. So how do you memorize scripture? 
The first thing is you got to give yourself grace. If it's hard for you, you start small. I was thinking about this. I'm doing this workout on, on every morning, and it's this crazy workout where the first time I did it, I'm like a plank. And I'm like, more than one? And then I noticed this little girl over here in the video, the modifier, you know, the, the loser girl. And I'm like, I got to do the modifier. But I'm like, I got to start somewhere. I touch my toes. I'm, I'm good to get to my knees. You got to start small. So start with one verse and do it with someone. There's nothing more fun than memorizing scripture with someone else. Hold each other accountable. Write out what you are memorizing and put it somewhere where you will see it all day long. I encourage you, memorize God's word, word for word, and stick with it until you get it right. Recite passages um, to yourself as you lay in bed at night. Recite them on your way to work, in your car, or on Muni. The staff just started in January memorizing Hebrews 12. I encourage you, memorize Hebrews 12 with us. It's awesome. We do one verse a week. And then each week we make it cumulative, week after week. So tomorrow at our staff meeting, after we pray for each other, after we pray for you, we will each of us individually recite Hebrews 12, 1 through 6. You guys want to do it with us? Who's in? Seriously, if you will do it with us, I will meet with you every Sunday and we will go over that particular passage. You come next week ready to do Hebrews 12, 1 through 7. I'll meet you right over there. I swear, I promise you, if you will commit this to memory, it will change you. It will be what comes out more naturally because it's in you. It is the renewal of your mind through scripture. Just give it a shot. And the last what and how is meditation on scripture. Meditation is a weird word. It has this odd connotation in society. You may think of it in association with mystical Eastern religions or with yoga or some new age mumbo jumbo. But what I'm talking about is not, Om. it's not that I'm talking about soaking in the truths and the realities of scripture from a spiritual perspective to help you understand and apply the scriptures to your life. So study can sometimes be heady, like in your head, it can be intellectual, but this is where the word penetrates the heart and the mind, and where it enlightens, where it shines its light upon the experiences of your life. I love the, uh, this picture that Donald Whitney uses in his book on spiritual disciplines. He says it's like a cup of tea. Your heart mind is like hot water, and the intake of Scripture is like a tea bag. So, so you think about it like this. If hearing God's word, so if, if this is it for you, If your only time in God's word is when we talk about it, that's like a dip of the tea bag into the water. So the water does absorb some of the tea, but not a lot. And then if you spend time reading scripture, studying scripture, memorizing scripture, it's like individual um, additional plunges of that tea bag into the water. And the more often the tea bag enters the water, the more permeated the tea is into the water, right? Meditation is like putting the tea bag in the water and just letting it sit there and letting it steep until the full richness of the tea is absorbed in the water. Meditation on scripture is like like letting, this is what um, Donald Whitney says, meditation on scripture is like letting the Bible brew in your brain. 
When the Bible promises us, as it does many times, it promises us that the word will impact your life. It most often speaks in terms of meditation. Psalm 119 says in 15 and 16, verses 15 and 16, I will meditate on your precepts. That means I will meditate on your words and I will fix my eyes on your ways and I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Joshua 1, which is a powerful chapter where Joshua is about to lead God's people across the Jordan into the promised land and he's very afraid. God tells them, be strong and courageous, follow my word. And then he says, here's what that should look like. He says, this book of the law, the scriptures, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Psalm 1 says that the man who meditates on God's word day and night is blessed. So how do you meditate on scripture? Meditating on scripture really means lingering in God's word. I call it, maybe you've heard me say it before, I call it parking And almost always, as I'm in the word, I'm caught off guard when God just all of a sudden I feel this strong sense that I am supposed to park somewhere. And it's because in that place, God has something important for me. One of uh, my practices in in time in God's word every day, there's a a verse from Psalm 119, 18. And and I pray this prayer. God, show me wonderful things. Show me wondrous things. Show me marvelous things, depending on your translation. All good words. From your word. I believe if you will pray that prayer and then allow his spirit to prompt you as you read, you will know and you will find something to meditate on. There are many ways to meditate on scripture and a lot of it is kind of, I really think, tied to how God has wired you. Just your particular personality and the things that you find interest in. But essentially it's slowing down and then doing something to meditate on God's word. I want to share with you just a couple of mine. Um, I like to rewrite the text for me personally or in line with my circumstances. So right now I am parked in James 1. James 1, 5 reads like this. If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. So I wrote in my journal as I was sitting that I wrote, I have no idea what to do. I need wisdom and God promises to give it to me generously. And I believe he will do what he says he will do. Oftentimes I'll take a passage and I'll rewrite it lyrically and in sort of either prose or poetry. That helps me. That's that's how I'm wired. Another thing that I do, which is kind of weird that I like to write poetry in it, because I also make math equations out of it. You, and, and often there's a math component to God's word. You do this, and you add this, and you add this, and you add this, and then it equals this. Unless you do this, and then it equals this. There's a a very mathematical uh, picture oftentimes in Scripture. One of the most powerful uh, scriptural impacts in my life was studying Jeremiah 17 when it says, Blessed is the man whose trust is the Lord. And I realized the word is is like an equal sign. Blessed is the man whose trust equals the Lord. That, that definitive mathematical equation really changed the way I looked at how to trust in God. You might create your own illustrations from the text. Think of how that particular text would play out in your life. Ask, ask God directly 
to show you how to apply that text in your life. But what I challenge you is you stay there until you figure out what God has for you in it. I have been in James 1 for over a week. I'm not sure why I'm there. But you know what? I don't feel like I'm supposed to move on. And I'm going to stay in it until he shows me. That is meditating. There are so many more ways. A lot, another really cool thing is to look in every passage for how the passage points to Jesus. It's great to see how the whole of Scripture points to Jesus. You can ask yourself, is this, does this passage answer a question? Does this passage solve a problem? Um, I encourage you, pray through the text. That's a great way to meditate on it. The main thing is just let it steep. Just take your time. We're such such a hurry and we want accomplishment. And we look at accomplishment as in getting to this point. Don't do that as you meditate on Scripture. Because it will bless you. And your mind and your heart will be saturated, not just with the content of the Word, but with its benefits. I want to close with one more picture of the power of Scripture for us. Years ago, so part of my personal time in the Word always includes reading a psalm. And I was in the Psalms, and I came to Psalm 119. And I wanted to skip it because Psalm 119 is 176 verses. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. I promise you we won't be memorizing that one as a staff. Well, maybe we will. But it's broken into sections, and it's all about the Word of God. Psalm 119 is about the Word. And I realized that as I was reading it, and I noticed something. Each day I read a different section, and I noticed that several times in Psalm 119 that the psalmist either thanked God for something God had done for him through God's Word, or the psalmist asked God for him to do something through his word. So I took a, a yellow highlighter and I went through and I highlighted every time in all of Psalm 119, everything that the psalmist thanked God for from his word or asked God for through his word. And I compiled it into a list and I made a little sort of a prayer. And I asked Amy Estelle this week if she would make it into a little bookmark. This is your free gift as you leave here today. There's a bookmark for you to pick up on your way out. And thank you, Marcia, for hand cutting all of these things. But I went through and I made this list and I made this little prayer and it says this, God, through your word, teach, purify, revive, strengthen, enlarge, incline, comfort, save, uphold, enlighten, redeem, answer, rescue, deliver, me. That is the beauty of God's word. It's limitless in what God gave it to us for. Put this in your Bible and pray this before you open it. You'd be amazed at how it changes your time in the word. My hope is that you would never see God's word just as a duty to accomplish every day. It is living and it is active and it is life-giving. It is the breath of of God for you. It is useful and beneficial and profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness sake so that you will be complete and equipped for the work that God has for you. It is an amazing gift to us and it will move you closer to God. Revel in that reality as you practice the discipline of scripture intake.